Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the TAO Intentions Podcast. Our guest this evening is Dr. Tiffany Ross. Welcome back, Tiffany Ross. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. It's always a pleasure to join you. Of course, I know that this will be our last podcast episode. I feel like you have elevated past the podcast episodes at this point and you are far reaching, but I hope to, you know, at least collaborate with you again in the future with the YouTube channel. Absolutely. I don't know about elevated past it, um, but it's always good to pivot and always good to grow and change and and mature. So, um, yeah, but elevated past it, no. <laughs> Thank you for saying that, though. Well, I don't know. I Honestly, I feel in the next six months, somehow, Dr. Tiffany Ross is going to have her own podcast episode. Her own podcast, I mean, not episode. But I don't know. Anything could happen. That's right. Anything could happen. I am always looking for opportunities, new opportunities. And I'm always challenging myself to continue to um, do what's not comfortable for me. So that's just kind of my personality. So yes, we'll exactly. That's that ambitious obsession. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So in our last uh, or our previous podcast episode or session of Generational Trauma Part 1, we touched on generational trauma, the meaning behind it, the healing aspect, forgiveness, and taking back your power. I wanted to dive right into part two of this podcast episode by discussing another form of trauma, and we will also continue by discussing the effects of generational trauma on the community and the culture. So with other forms of trauma, I wanted to get into trauma bonding. What does that mean? Oh, goodness. Um, Another great topic. You always come swinging, and I love it. (laughs) Uh, But trauma bonding is... First, how you recognize it is an unhealthy relationship or toxic relationship. More so, trauma bonding is always a toxic relationship. And there's this cycle of things are going just really good, followed by this cycle of things just being extremely bad. But the difference between um, just the normal unhealthy cycle and then this trauma bonding is that um, the person receives some kind of pleasure out of the relationship and it's almost like um, they're addicted to the pleasure which keeps them inside of the relationship and keeps their relationship going to that cycle of unhealthy extremely unhealthy and then very good if that makes sense it does but i do have a follow-up question for that based on what you said yeah. When you started talking about trauma bonding and the toxicity of it, would you say, and this is just an example, if two people come together and one person seems to be fantasizing about this spectacular relationship that they have with this person, but it's all in their mind and what is happening in reality is not the exact same, but they're choosing to see the fantasy and fall in love with that Uh fantasy that they have in their mind, would that be connected to trauma bonding? Um, Actually, I'm not quite sure that it will be because most of the time with trauma bonding, there's some level of abuse involved. And most people don't 
realize that with trauma, I mean, in the whole trauma bonding, like, these kind of things are popular, toxic, and, um, oh, he's so toxic, she's so toxic, they're, they're kind of popular safe. But what we don't connect it with all the time is that there's some level of abuse present inside of that relationship. Okay. And what are some signs of a traumatic bond? Um, the cycle of unhealthy and, well, toxic. Let's scratch that. They're not unhealthy. They're toxic. The sign of um, there's some kind of toxic things going on, whether that's um, the emotional abuse is present or there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, some kind of emotional distress that's followed by periods of uh, really good times where the person may be really good in one area but extremely toxic in another area. So those are some kind of the signs. Like you will hear people say, uh, when it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it's really bad. Um, So those are some signs that there, there may be some trauma bonding going on. Okay. And what are some situations where trauma bonding becomes a repeated cycle? It's always a repeated cycle. So in like trauma all bond- relationships, like you can go from one relationship and to the next relationship to the next relationship, trauma bonding with every individual person? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it follows that cycle, really good, really bad, extremely toxic, um, you may have some kind of distress of leaving the person or you may feel absolutely horrible if you decided that you were going to leave that person. And um, people may say things like soul ties. If you've ever heard of soul yes. ties, um, like, I feel like this person was my soulmate. And when I'm not with them, like I'm just I feel like a piece of me is missing. But it's to the point to where it impacts your emotional functioning. Um, that's a sign that there may be some trauma bonding going on. Oh, wow, that's scary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because you hear that term all the time, soul ties, soul ties, soul ties. And then they also talk about twin flames and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's so hard to differentiate all of this. Yeah. And not, and try to understand it on a spiritual level. It's it's very weird. (laughs) Um, So in trauma bonding, or yes, in trauma bonding, what are some signs that someone is taking advantage of a person who is struggling with trauma by building that bond? I guess I'm referring to people that like to target people who who are dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the therapy world, we call them manipulators, <laughs> master manipulators. <laughs> and so um, that's always one aspect of a trauma bond because it on some level, someone's emotions are being manipulated. And um, as far as targeting, um, I don't think you would have a trauma bond without there being some some targeting um, on some level from the person that seemingly has the, more, the most power in the relationship. Oh, wow. I've never kind of looked at it that way. Okay, I'm glad you explained it a little bit better. People would say that those who take advantage of individuals struggling with trauma would be considered manipulative, as you just mentioned. Um, There are individuals who are struggling with trauma, and they would sometimes force something with someone who is not good for them. And so continuing that heartbreak and abuse, should they take some blame or responsibility 
or should they remain the victim in these types of situation if it continues to occur over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's both and. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. I think um, that once you become an adult and you decide to go into any kind of relationship, then the responsibility of that relationship lies on both people. Okay. So if the relationship is not going in a healthy way, then you have the responsibility to decide um, that you're not going to tolerate this and that this is end. Like this is the end. This is where I draw the line. And that responsibility is on both partners. So, so I, there's no victims. Okay. And so before you had mentioned earlier in a podcast episode that, you know, there's a difference when you finally mature in a relationship that you are more confident on what you will put up with and what you won't put up with. And so I guess the difference between if somebody finds that they're in a toxic relationship but they cannot leave, would you say that depends on their level of maturity or is it really just that the trauma bond is so strong that they they almost feel like they cannot live without the abuse that they're enduring? Yeah, I think it, it could be both. I, I, now, maturity, not so much, but maybe their level of dependence. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's one aspect of a trauma bound is that there is some level of unhealthy dependence, whether that, that dependence is, is physical dependence, financial dependence, emotional dependence. There's some kind of dependence marked in that relationship. And, um, and so I wouldn't necessarily say that it's emotional mat- or maturity where it could be emotional maturity that that's lacking, which we start talking about self-esteem, self-worth, self-value, um, those kind of things that keep people in those um, those type of situations, even though they're, they're unhealthy. Okay. So the next question, um, I feel like you might have already answered it, but I'll just repeat the question regardless, just to kind of see if there's something else that might come up into your mind that you might want to share that we might not have shared before. So just a disclaimer, this is not victim blaming um, in any way or encouraging self-blame, but I do feel that everyone must take accountability. I want to open the door so that we can talk about the cycle of abuse and how victims of trauma feed into that. Victims of trauma enter relationships that are abusive and stay in that abusive relationship and then it turns into trauma bonding. But based on what you said, it seems that you know, the trauma bonding begins before the abuse. If, if I'm wrong, please let me know. Um, can you explain why dealing with trauma influences victim to find that comfort in another abusive relationship? Oh, that's a loaded question. I know. I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me go back. Let's see if we can break this down a little bit because um, I want to make sure that I'm answering the questions fully. Okay. Um, in terms of whether or not the actual trauma bond begins before the abuse or after the abuse. Okay, so I want to do a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown of what the trauma bond actually looks like and when does it start. But I think you um, posed the question of whether or not it begins at the beginning of the relationship or before the relationship actually starts or after it's been some time. And to answer that question um, is that it actually occurs over time, if that makes any kind of sense. So in the beginning, you wouldn't necessarily know that it's a trauma bond. 
because most of the time in those types of relationships where there's a toxic relationship or trauma bond is being being formed, um, the person may treat you really well in the beginning. You may think this person is just the ideal mate. Like you have these foggy glasses on, and what we say, because you don't really see their flaws. And they may not even show you their flaws because they may be just that good at um, hiding those unhealed parts of themselves, if I can say it like that. And so, I mean, the beginning, you may not know that this person is toxic or unhealthy or has these traits or uh, may be abusive or may say things, and it may be very subtle. And so over time, as you're with the person um, for a little period of time or um, the person may start saying different things or behaving a certain way towards you to see how you're going to respond. And if you're not in a place where you're healthy enough to say, oh, you know, I'm, I see this red flag, let me back away and um, cut this relationship off. If you continue, at that point, you know, this bond may start forming. And then you have this cycle where things are really good and then they're extremely bad. And with each cycle, a part of your yourself, of who you are, your self-esteem, your your uh, mental capacity is diminished in some kind of way. Oh, wow, that's deep. It's like yeah. tearing apart the soul bit by bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's scary. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. somehow and that's normalized very, too. Uh-huh. And it's very codependent relationship. And I love what you said about not victim blaming, but also placing the responsibility where, where it lies. Because let's be clear, both people are getting something out of this relationship. Like it's a trauma bond and it's toxic, but both people are giving something out of this relationship. Okay. So the second part of that question, which I didn't even realize that I had put two questions together, but when I was writing it out, I realized, okay, wait a minute. She did answer. She did touch on some parts of this. So you know what? I might as well just, yeah, ask the question anyways, and then just kind of hope that she understands where I'm going. So the second part of that question was can you explain why dealing with trauma influences victims to find that comfort in another abusive relationship because they just leave one relationship and now they're going into another yeah at this point it seems that they're so comfortable with the abuse factor and i'm not sure if i mentioned this to you in previous episodes i might have when we're talking about i believe it was healthy versus unhealthy relationship podcast episode that we did together where I had explained to you that there, you know, I met a girl who was addicted to abusive relationships. She was attracted to her abusive father, but in men that she chose to be with. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where that, that question kind of stems from, is that yeah. comfort in another abusive relationship. So I guess, could you explain why that feels and seems so normal to these victims mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. feels comfortable because it's what they know and like i say this all the time like people usually don't treat you better than you treat yourself usually don't we don't typically enter into relationships with a partner who um is healthier than us or maybe a little bit healthier but usually they're about as equally as healthy um, as you are worse, um, just maybe a little better. Um, 
and we set the standard for how we're we're going to be treated. So if our self worth and self esteem and and um, is already imbalanced or negative or not completely whole or healthy, then we typically find partners that confirm that inside of a relationship. So if you're having issues with attachment or issues with um, rejection or abandonment, well, we typically find partners that the beginning we think is going to repair that, but they actually end on the opposite. They actually kind of confirm that those issues in us. Okay. So before I go into the next question, based on what you have shared, um, you had mentioned it's what they know. I recall yeah. having this conversation with someone before that, you know, you seem to be addicted to the struggle. You seem to be addicted to the pain almost. And that's why this person kept entering into relationships where they constantly felt this way all the time because it's what they know. Now, yeah. this person and I were talking and I said, you know, you kind of need to learn healthier habits, not just say that I'm, I'm looking for a healthy relationship, but actually do it and yeah. so i could not for the life of me if i was in a, a traumatic situation like that where i found myself entering in abusive relationships over and over and over again it doesn't have to be like physically abusive but maybe emotional and i find that i keep doing it over and over and over again how would i break that and and change because change is not something that just happens overnight and a lot of people just want the change to happen to like they think it and it just happens but yeah. changing your your mind and and trying to experience something new, something a bit pure, something loving, is not very easy to do. No. So as no. a therapist, you know, what are your thoughts on that? How would someone go about backing away from from negativity, backing away from unhealthy relationships, and choosing something completely opposite of what they know and love? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question, and I think. Um, it starts with, number one, the awareness, aware of where you are um, and how you are in relationships. If that makes any kind of like you, you need to know where you are and be honest and real with where you are. Is this because like I'm not sticking out these relationships because I am looking for something to be filled? Is there a void? And, am I still dealing with some unhealed areas from the past or um, from my parents or what? We have to know and be clear on what those are. It all starts with awareness and being nice and very well with, with where you are. And then from that, you have to have what you said, in your words, a mindset shift around these things. So now that I know where I am, um, now I have to start going back and repairing um, the, the, my thinking. What am I thinking about myself? What am I thinking in terms of relationships? What do I believe about myself? What have I internalized or believed about relationships that's just not real healthy? So we have awareness. Now we have these mindset shifts that need to happen. And then from there, we need to start teaching and educating on what a healthy relationship is actually supposed to look like. All right. So to to add on to that, and I just want to throw this in again, I I keep... Mm -hmm throwing stuff at you that you know we've never discussed no, before <laughs> but I do find that with what you just said a lot of people have recognized that this is unhealthy that they're in a, an unhealthy cycle and they want to break it but I find that a lot of people 
choose to to find somebody that will help them with that change what would be your advice for people who keep seeking others to help them with learning how to love themselves look for positivity try to attract it to love and seems to 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 find a way to create another dependency on somebody Uh else to help save them yeah which is fine if you want to create find someone else that will help save them or save you um I think it's all well and good. You just need to know that that other person needs to be a therapist or a counselor or some kind of coach that can help you um, to be able to recognize these patterns that are in your life and give you some real tools and strategies on how to begin breaking and replacing some of these unhealthy behaviors that that um, you have you have picked up. Oh wow. Yeah, I find that kind of weird. That's the reason why I brought it up. I just found it very weird how everyone is just kind of looking for someone who is going to break that for them because they did yeah. not really want to do the work themselves or yeah, they just didn't know how. To, yeah, and you have to be willing to do the work. And I think you said it best when you said this is not something that happens overnight. Like we didn't get here overnight. Like these are things that has happened over time. And so in order to go back and heal and break some of these things, you can't do it by yourself. You need someone who's further along than you that's, that um, has the skills that, to be able to help you. Um, and trading one addiction, that's, you know, one addiction for another is, is not, it's still an addiction. You're yes. still hitting back up in the same place. Okay. So people who stay in an, ab- an abusive relationship where they have bonded and the excuse is that they're waiting for the good times to come back. They are holding on to the honeymoon phase. What are some signs of permanent change that victims who do not want to leave should look for? I'm sure this is an easy question, but I need you to simplify it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I I think it's summed up in this one statement here. If you are in any form of abusive relationships, you do not need to stay there waiting on any kind of permanent change. Hmm. You need to be out of that relationship. I never would advise anyone to stay in any type of relationship that's abusive, whether it's emotional abuse. I know our cultures can sometimes normalize emotional abuse, but if someone is cursing you out and diminishing your self-worth and self-esteem, even if they're not abusive physically towards you or sexually towards you, Emotional abuse is still a very real thing. And I do not advise anyone to remain in any form of abusive relationship hoping that it will change. Um, because chances are they may not change or it may be too late for you to um, to even see the change because that person could really hurt you or, or hurt parts of you that would take longer to repair than, you know, a broken bone That's or something true. like that. So if, if you're in an abusive relationship, get out. And if they make permanent changes, that's good for them. Um, but it's also good for you that you don't get to stick around and, and wonder whether or not they're making those changes. I love how you said get out. It reminds me of the movie. <laughs> get yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Because that's very true. I do find that yeah. even in my previous relationships, I find that when I leave them, it's when they make that change. But I find yeah. that the more time I spend away from that person, I find that I start to heal. I start yeah. to really think. I start to really make decisions in my life and detail what I'm looking for and what I won't settle for. So when they do come back and they give me that fluff and, and puff, 
about how they've changed and life is so much better i usually can just kind of see through it and know that they're just putting on a show to kind of get me to believe them but at that point i'm kind of over them so i can't fall for it anymore that manipulation so they would they would always go into a relationship with somebody else and try to show off in front of me to show look i've changed and i'm like no actually you aren't because you did the exact same thing when we were together (laughs) you know which is still manipulation is it not it is manipulation (laughs) it is i'm telling you if someone leads anything with manipulation or if we part ways and you start being manipulative trust me you're dead to me like dead there yeah. is no feeling here for you. There is no place for you. The door is not open. The bridge is burnt. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. So yes. <laughs> now I would like for you to kind of talk about the imbalance of power and uh, trauma bonding. If you can explain that a little bit so that people can understand. I know you touched on it earlier, but you did not kind of break it down so that people could see what it is and be able to identify it. Yeah, yeah. And that- the imbalance of power, the best way that I can explain it, because this is what makes sense in my head, is that there is some level of codependency, whether it's a financial codependency or emotional codependency. So you have one person who is in the relationship and they're drawing something from this person that seemingly um, can, can give them what they're looking for. But even though they may on some level give you what you're looking for, on the other end of it, they're still treating you very, very, very poorly. So they'll have those moments where, um, like we talked about earlier, things are just really good. They are. They're for me. They're, they're your support person. They're the person that's go to when you're having a bad day. Um, they're just kind of your everything. They, they fulfill a need a desire or something in your heart that's longing. They fulfill that. But on the other end, when they're upset, they're, they're, they're abusive towards you. So there's this imbalance of, of power. And over time, that person, the person that um, that remains in that, that relationship, um, you feel less and less, less about yourself. Whereas the other person um, has, in your eyes, all this power. Yeah. So they're the more that you look up to them, for lack of better words. I can't come up with another way to describe it other than um, to describe it in, in those terms. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. It does. I do because when I sometimes I, I tend to wonder. Like even what you said in the beginning of the explanation, that's someone you can go Mm -hmm. to, someone that you can depend on, you can share every aspect of your life with. Sometimes I wonder if that's dangerous. You know what I mean? Because if you're Uh giving yourself completely to this one person, I know that everyone say that's the perfect relationship to be in, that, you know, everything that's going on in your life, this person has an access to it. They know everything you're doing. You're, they know all your deepest, darkest secrets. And sometimes I wonder yeah. if that's if that's truly healthy to have that in a relationship. Period. Yeah. No. I, I, if my personal opinion and my personal experience is not by no means professional, because um, you know people do what they want to do in relationships. But my personal opinion is that, um, and I'm a Christian. I think I've shared that in past episodes is that we should go into relationships 
guarding our heart. So we don't give every part of ourselves away um, to the other person in the relationship. So some parts of that, I believe, in my personal opinion, um, is reserved for the person that you choose to marry. Okay. So you you give certain parts away, and then you know you see how this person reacts, responds. If they, if they feel like they're you feel like they're worthy of it, but you protect certain parts of your heart. Okay. Yeah. So can trauma bonding happen in generational trauma? Can two people who are struggling with generational trauma somehow bond over that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I just wanted to absolutely. clarify. I thought maybe, you know, to kind of break down that it, it it's not just a regular thing. Um, it might not be just one traumatic experience that you and you yourself in your entire family has experienced, but this is a, you know, a generational trauma that's been passed down and you happen to meet somebody that has a generational trauma within their, their family dynamic that has been passed down and both of you meet and then all of a sudden you've bonded. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Just, Over that, that trauma. Okay. All right. So glad we covered that. I just wanted to make sure we got all the knit and gritty done <laughs> before moving on to the community and the culture. So now we will discuss the culture or our culture. We have started having these the discussion of mental health within the black community a few episodes back. I think all of our episodes kind of focus on that. And since we are descendants of slaves, uh, we can we carry a lot of generational trauma that has led to diagnosis and mental health issues. We had touched on sexual assaults and the need to prove our worth. There are others that we had touched on. Can you name a few traumas that we could be experiencing as a culture that are generational? Absolutely. Um, I think we hit on a few of these in the past episodes. I'm not sure which one. Um, Poverty Mm -hmm. um, is one of the things that as a culture, particularly um, we see these a lot in, in black cultures slavery descendant um the poverty is a, is a generational trauma that could be passed down um and i think you touched on the sexual assault and um another aspect of that is keeping family secret um and although that can spread across all a lot of different spectrums because we it could be family secrets that about incest or something related to sexual sexual abuse or trauma but it can also be what stays in the house or what happens in the house stays in the house. That that could be, you know, a form of family secrets or even family loyal. Like I'm I'm so loyal to the family that I am willing to do whatever it takes for my family, but not necessarily what's best for my immediate family, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm so loyal to the outside family that my inside family um, suffers. So okay. family loyalty can also be a, a form of generational trauma that can be passed down depending on, you know, the family, the family system, the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I understand. I feel that generational trauma has led some members of the community to be a bit lost. Some mm-hmm. educated members built the foundation that strengthens and further their the education of their descendants, while others continue 
the bad behavior. Now, I am not saying there is a generational, I'm now I am not saying that is generational trauma, but passing down bad parenting, having fatherless children, household where mothers have to be fathers and mothers, uh, children roaming the streets and not focused on education, not knowing how to show love to their family members slash children, and single mothers who raise their sons to be the father of the home at a very young age. Could all of these things be considered generational trauma? Um, I think both and. All of the things that you named, I was sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, oh my goodness, all the things that you named comes from, or could stem from um, slavery. Oh. And the impact of slavery on um, on the culture and how we parent and how we we um, see education or how we um, see relationships, how we look at our family, all of that can be connected to the trauma from slavery. So yes, it could be. It could be. Okay, because I felt that because it's something that's being passed down since um, you know slavery, and it was just it continued to just be taught going down the line to till now like we see within our community that there are a lot of people or families that still kind of carry on these traditions so i figured because even though it's a new time education is available you can find it on the internet we have access to so many things you still kind of see the devalue in a lot of things that should be valued yeah 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 you absolutely do and i think um some of that from my experience, personal and professional experience, is that um, even though the education is so widespread, like the things that we talked about, it's so widespread, like it's so, the access is readily available, but why is it that even though it's readily available, what keeps some from accessing it over others? Mm-hmm. What, what's what's the, the disconnect for those who are not accessing it? And it goes back to just those simple family values. Well, where where do our family values come from? It's from the previous generation. And like you said, those things are passed down from family to family. And, and um, if you don't have one that actually stands up and says, hey, this, this ends with me. Yes, you know, our family may have a history of this. Like for me, our family may have a history of teen parenting, but this stops with me. And for me, just being real personal here, for me, what decided or when I decided that, yes, I've had my children, had two of my boys as a teen mom, but what I was not going to do is allow for those circumstances to dictate how the trajectory of my life was going to be. So that meant me cutting off from what was the norm, staying in my hometown, not pursuing education, allowing some of my mindset to be shifted through um, experiences outside of my my comfortable environment. Um, I, that, that alone was, a, was enough to begin breaking some of the, the generational trauma from the past. Okay. And you know, while you were even talking about that, I started remembering Kanye West and his rant that he had a few years back about how slavery is just a mentality and i started to just kind of look at the situation and within the community we have half the community saying that you know we don't have access to a lot of things but i i don't recall 
people not being able to get into universities or colleges in our time. So for the yeah. people who are choosing not to go to colleges and university, when it is available to them, they could access loans or, or things like that to pay for all of these things. They choose not to, but to complain and say that they don't, they don't have the, those options. We're not privileged. Yeah. And then you'll see the other half of the black community who, you know, come from poverty and, yeah. you know, worked really hard in school, got a scholarship, went to college and university and really made something of themselves. And so younger descendants within that family, younger brothers, older sisters, whatever, who's a part of that family, seeing that one family member doing that kind of encouraged them to do it themselves. And then they go forth yeah. and try it themselves. And then it opens that area of education. So now when Connie West says, you know, it was a, it was a mindset and all the people who are still complaining that they don't have those options kind of are, are choosing to, to stay a slave is what my understanding yeah. of his perception was. Yeah, that's so good. Because you got that's up so and you left your city and you went to pursue your education. You are now Dr. Tiffany Ross. On top of that, yeah. you moved out of a bad situation and you went out, you found a great husband and now you're building a business, a legacy for yourself. Yeah. And so yeah. you don't seem to be suffering or struggling under the slavery mentality. Yeah. yeah. So is it and, really and I, real? I think what he said is a mindset. It really is. It's a mentality. It's how you see um, what you see, what your vision is what are you seeing through your own eyes because for me and I approach the problem with um, how do I find a solution for someone else that may have approached the very same problem and not see that there are any solutions and I and I think it's the same with um, the black culture and that slave mentality is what are you seeing what are you able to see past your situation is your mindset seeing um, limitations or is it seeing solutions or a world full of solutions? And I think things like this, what you're doing, Orchid, and what we're doing is showing um, other black women that there are other options. When I chose to not go the traditional route um, that other therapists are going, you know, get out of school, get your license, go open up a private practice or work for someone for a certain amount of years and retire, you know, follow that whole trail. When I chose to do something different, well, I opened up an arena um, of women, other black women, because I'm black, who may not want to go the traditional path that other people have gone to or gone through. Now they see, well, I can take the same degree or a similar degree and I can become an entrepreneur or I can create my own path. I don't have to follow up the path that other people are following. And and so if children don't have that, they don't have those people that they can look to and connect with or mentors. And if they don't have that, then, then they do get stuck in that mentality and stay where they are and not access the resources that are there that are readily available for most for most in our culture. All right. So next question. So I'll ask the question, but I'll also provide an example after the end of it. Um, so based on these 
traumas, do you feel that some of these situation can lead to resentment and bitterness between the opposite sex? And I'll give you an example of what I meant by that. A mother who raised her son to be pampered while the female learns to be more resourceful. Uh, a son then grows up to be useless while the female goes on to work, have children with different men or end up in an abusive relationship and continue the cycle based on their upbringings. This causes a friction between the sexes, somewhat of a competition um, between them. And I've, I've always just wanted to learn about how these traumas of, of upbringing could fuel the competition between men and women, especially black men and women, and why we cannot come together on any level or any platform in that sense because of the childhood treatments that they both received within the same households. I see, I see. And I, I agree that there will be some level of resentment because the roles are all out of place. And when you don't know what your role is, then you struggle with what your identity mm -hmm. and then you have that resentment because now I'm not secure in who I am and oftentimes that insecurity is taking me out on someone else and so the, that, that resentment um, does arise so I completely agree in that there can be friction between um, the sexes because what um, I I'm now upset at my mom, just using your example of men who um, mother pampered them while the females were, were more resourceful or had to be more resourceful. That now I see a woman as someone who's supposed to, to mother me like my mother did and not like a, a woman supposed to be, which is my equal, who's supposed to support and encourage but I'm also supposed to return that that for her too as well. So yeah, I see that. I see exactly what you're talking about, that friction. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Because I, sometimes I feel like I'm just, maybe I'm, I'm just seeing it myself. Um, just hearing the way that certain people, including myself, talk about black men and the way that I've met black men and the way that they talk about black women. And it just seems like there's a level of disgust towards each other. Mm. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, which is really not towards the other sex. is really geared towards the other, the uh, our primary relationships. So if I have disgust for women, or if I have disgust for men, because I'm a woman, if I have a disgust for men, then that could be related to my very first relationship, which is my dad. Okay. okay. So there, there is those connections that go back to your past. I don't, I don't really feel like we just automatically develop these disgusts with or this friction between sexes if we don't have the friction between our original um, people, which are our, our primary people, which are our parents or the people who raised. Them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're just gonna end this podcast episode by having you. Uh, let people know where they can reach you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this again. Like, I always enjoy a conversation because they always invigorate me. Um, so, yes, people can reach me um, at Instagram or on Facebook at Dr. Tiffany Ross. I'm actually just launching um, my YouTube channel, which is also titled Dr. Tiffany Ross. And I'm so, so excited about it. Um, I also have my Hero Retreat group that is on Facebook. We're actually um, gearing up for a new one that's coming up in June, around the second and third week of June. And um, 
it is called the Shiro edition. So make sure you follow us and go along and watch our progress as we continue to grow and, and um, continue reaching the level. Okay, I really like that Shiro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. It sounds empowering and definitely something that I cannot wait to watch on your YouTube channel. Absolutely, it is going to be empowering. Focus for this one is for busy career women. Yes. So um, it should be exciting to watch busy career women who are, are ready to tackle their love life. So yeah, so follow along for that. Okay, perfect. I've already subscribed, people, so I expect to see all of you subscribing as well. No excuses. It's just a click of a button. The beautiful red icon that says subscribe. Just click on it on YouTube. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Orchid. Yes, and I wish you the best of luck with everything that you do, and I'll be watching. Best wishes to you, my love. Thank you so much for the time and the opportunity. Wonderful. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. That concludes our podcast episode for today on generational trauma and trauma bonding. Now, I just wanted to let you all know that I'll be taking a two-month break as of this week uh, just to refocus and to go through a a whole segment of preparing for the next season which begins basically August the first week of August is when we're going to relaunch the podcast and start pumping out some episodes until December and so I just wanted to focus on that and also focus on the YouTube channel so don't forget to look up the ambitious obsession on YouTube and subscribe and also, um, next season should be uh, should be interesting. We're going to be speaking to a lot of local artists, um, local entrepreneur people who are doing their best within their community. And so I'm already booked out. It's The schedule has already been made. Um, so next season should be eventful. And if you are within Ottawa, please support these people by following their pages or, you know, commenting and giving showing them that kind of love so i just wanted to notify you guys that for the next two months i'll be taking a break and if you want to see more of me you should be able to follow my social media pages tao social media pages are on facebook at the ambitious obsession instagram and twitter at the ambitious obs so thank you for being patient with me thank you for being supportive thank you for listening to all of these podcast episodes and i really do hope that you guys have a wonderful summer and don't forget to share this episode if you like it and don't forget to follow to click the follow button on tao intentions podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify so you guys have a wonderful day a beautiful summer and we will be back in august have a wonderful day